Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to WGN Radio Theater. Special three-hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Welcome to the WGN Radio Theater, although they already said that. But tonight, I have a special co-host, and it's not Carl Amari. Tonight, I have... Roger Baddish. Roger Baddish. Yeah. So glad to work with you this evening. A pleasure. And uh, I was going to ask who was Carl Amari, whether I, you or I were. but oh, It's definitely not me. No. So, and it's definitely not me. All right. So, so um, <laughs> that's settled. <laughs> he's not here. He's still on vacation. So yeah. I think he needs a little uh, rest and relaxation. He, he will he be back next weekend, and hopefully he won't be so cranky. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. He's going to be texting me on that one. Yeah. Uh, this is show number 432. It is Sunday, October 20th. And we have some great classic radio for you, which is a big change. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, a big change? A we big have change. classic radio every Saturday we, and Sunday night. We have great classic radio. Yeah. We have Father Knows Best from mm-hmm. October 26, 1950. A spooky cemetery all in our Ooh, Halloween theme. Yeah. And in the second hour, we have Escape um, from 1948, Evening Primrose with William Conrad. So a great lineup. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? I'm very excited. I'm excited to I be here with you. We're going to play the game yeah. and we're going to welcome. We've got Shantae Garth in the booth. Thank you for being the best producer. I'm so happy she's here with me tonight, yep. even if Carl isn't. So we're going to start with our game, Guess That Song. Mm-hmm. We will be giving away a Lou Malnati's gift certificate. I have some fantastic 1975 songs. Roger, Ooh. Don't Let Me Down. I'm going to try. Okay. So you're going to try to let me down? No, I'm going to try not to let you okay. down because 75, uh, I it's- don't remember half of it. All right. Well, we're going to spotlight some great songs. We're looking for caller number three. You can call right now, 312-981-7200. We'll be right back. Guess that song. <laughs> Roger, it's you again. <laughs> I introduced our, my own segment, that. right? <laughs> we have Elliot on the phone to play Guess That Song. Hi, Elliot. Hello, you sound vivacious. Well, thank you. Nobody was here to tell me that, so thank you for being Carl tonight. I Uh, missed your birthday last week. Hope it was happy. You did, and it was happy. Thank you so much. I still feel like I'm on that birthday cake high because that was that was really something else. It was a lot of frosting. It was a lot of frosting. We're gonna play a little guess that song, and I I feel really good about the song. So I hope that you feel the same way. 1975. Let's play a little bit of the first song right now. Do you know that one, Elliot? I'm amazed. I am so stumped. That, what? Can you, know, you run, play that once more? I, I can't play it again, but you know <laughs> what? Did. It's always more difficult when you're on the spot. You know what? If you were just at home listening and you weren't on the radio, you'd know what it was. <laughs> I'm used to shouting out, I know that, I know that. <laughs> Roger, can you help Elliot? Yeah, actually, uh, this was uh, when he went uh, solo from the Four Seasons. That is right. And, and who is it? Uh, um, it is um, <laughs> Valley. Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley. And yeah. yeah. My yeah. eyes adored you. There you go. Ah. There you go. Let's hear it. Ready, Roger? 
My eyes adore you. Didn't you see the Jersey Boys? Yes. This was on stage on and stage. on the movie. Well, I meant on stage. Well, yeah. You know what? It's all good, Elliot. You have a chance to redeem yourself on song number two. <laughs> I'd have turned the dial by that time. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? Again. I was just talking about this song last week on the radio. Coincidentally, let's hear it. Do you know that one, Elliot? Ah, 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 ah. Sure, I do. Let's hear it. I'm just sure I do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. You can <laughs> do this, Elliot. Excuse me. Um, keepers. My what? Keepers? Yeah, well, no, not keepers. Keepers. That one. Okay. Um, Roger, help him out. That was Barry. Manilow. And, and you know what he does? He writes the song. He writes the song. Yes. <laughs> Indeed he does. Uh, Ready, Roger? Get to sing along? Yep. Oh, yes. I write the songs that make yes, the whole world Of course, I met Barry Manilow last week after his show, so it was show a special off. moment. You know what? <laughs> you are the big winner, Elliot. You have won a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for $25. Lou Malnati's wow, is home of Chicago. So yes, of course. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza, our favorite here at WGN Radio Theater. Find one of their 40 plus Chicagoland locations, or you can order online at lumelnati's.com. Thank you so much for being a good sport. Luckily, you had a good lifeline here. Thank you. Yum, yum. <laughs> Take care. It was great talking to you, Elliot. All right, we are going to get right into our Halloween-themed programs. Uh, Father Knows Best went from radio to TV and was very popular, known as a comedy, as a sitcom. Uh, but they had a Halloween show from October 26, 1950, sponsored by Maxwell House uh, good to the last drop. Right. And by Post Wheat Meal. Yep. That's like a cream of wheat. That's a like hot cream cereal. Of wheat, right. Uh, this is a Halloween story. The Anderson family. Shall I do it in my Halloween? Sure. Go for it. The Anderson family runs out of gas on a dark night in front of a cemetery. Here's Robert Young, June Whitley, Rhoda Williams, and Bill Foreman with Father Knows Best. A spooky cemetery. Mother, is Maxwell House really the only coffee in the world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons, brought to you by Maxwell House. The coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. And all us other chillin' when the supper things is done... We sit around the kitchen fire and has the mostest fun. I listen to the witch tales that Annie tells about, and the goblin that gets you if you don't watch out. It's Halloween in Springfield, and the white frame house on Maple Street looks dark and deserted. Maybe that's because it is dark and deserted. The Andersons, you see, are heading home after a weekend in the country with their friends, the Palmers. And at the moment we find them, that is, their car is parked on a muddy and rain-spattered road between... <laughs> How am I supposed to know where they are? 
They don't even know themselves, like this. What does the sign say, bud? I don't know. It's dark out here. Well, light a match. Oh, okay. I don't know what's the matter with that boy. He doesn't have enough sense to come in out of the rain. If he did, he couldn't read the sign, could he, dear? Hmm? <laughs> Can you see it now, bud? Yeah. Well, what does it say? No trespassing. <laughs> That's a great help. All right, come on back. Okay. Daddy. What is it, Kathy? My feet are cold. Well, put them in your pocket. Mother. Jim, that wasn't very nice. Well, she's done nothing but complain for the last three hours. She's hungry, she's sleepy, she's tired, she's cold. Father. Yes, Betty. So am I. Fine, I'll make a note of it. Boy, it's sure wet out here. Well, get in and close the door. Don't just stand there. Shove over, will you, Betty? Bud, you're getting me all wet. You poor thing. How would you like to get out every two minutes and look at a dopey sign? Bud, stop complaining and shut the door. I'm not complaining, Dad, but just because she gets a few drops of water on Shut her... the door! Holy cow. <laughs> Once we get back on the main road, I'll have you home in 30 minutes. That's what you said two hours ago. Well, I'm certainly not going to change my mind now. If you hadn't spent so much time lollygagging with the Palmer boy, we wouldn't have had to take this shortcut. Shortcut? Huh? What was that? Oh, uh, uh, nothing, Dad. I was just thinking. Well, stop thinking out loud. This is a very good shortcut. If I can ever find it. Oh, dear. It's too bad this had to happen. It was such a nice weekend, wasn't it, Jim? Yes. The Palmers are wonderful people, aren't they? Oh, they're nice people, all right. But Will didn't have to knock himself out that way. He was merely trying to be pleasant. He scared me. Oh, he didn't really, Kathy. He was just having fun. Some fun, you bet. Ha-cha. <laughs> Betty. Well, let's face it, Margaret. Just because it's Halloween, he didn't have to have ghosts popping out of the closet every time he opened the door. I was scared. I don't like ghosts. Oh, Kathy, for the eight millionth time, there's no such thing as a ghost. There isn't? No. Well, you just said he had them in all the closets. He had sheets in all the closets. You mean they weren't real live ghosts? There is no such thing as a real live ghost. How about a real dead ghost? <laughs> Betty, you keep out of this. I was only trying to help. You've helped quite enough, thank you. You and Marshall, the mechanical wizard. Now what did we do? The gas gauge doesn't work, the radio doesn't work, nothing works. Marshall said it just needed a fuse. Marshall said. He works one week at a filling station and that makes him an expert mechanic. Um, Jim, how do you suppose Will did that thing with the bridge table? What thing? Well, where the bridge table floated in the air. It was very clever. I don't know. I suppose he had wires hooked on it or something. I didn't see any wires. There's another sign. Where? Over there. Well, maybe now we'll find out where we are. Bud? <laughs> oh, no, Dad. Do I have to go out again? A little rain isn't going to hurt you. But I'm wet clear through now. Then you can't get any wetter. <laughs> go ahead, Bud. Holy cow. What they need in this family is a seeing-eye duck. Daddy! 
Now what? If there aren't any ghosts, why do people say there are? Because they don't have anything better to talk about. I know you don't believe in those things, Jim, but there was a chair in my grandmother William's bedroom. And it rocked back and forth and back and forth. It certainly did. You've told me about it 8,000 times, and there's still a logical explanation for it. Maybe the termites were pacing up and down. (laughs) Betty, that isn't funny. The floor was probably crooked, or the chair was standing in a draft. It could have been anything. But it was not being rocked by a ghost. I'm scared. (laughs) Dad. What's the matter, bud? Hey, Dad, you know what? Don't stand out there in the rain. Get inside. Okay, move over, will you, Betty? Oh, you're a pest. Well, bud? What? What did you find out? Hmm? Oh. Well, remember the sign that said Bensonville, 12 miles? And you said now you knew where you were? What about it? That's it. (laughs) What? Oh, Jim. You mean it's the same sign? Sure. On the bottom it says Blossom Loves Rocky with a skull and crossbones. Bensonville. Father, we were here two hours ago. Jim Anderson. Margaret, it was an honest mistake. When I took the right turn, I guess I should have taken the left, that's all. Kathy said we should have taken the left turn. Since when does a nine-year-old child know more about roads than I do? Now. (laughs) Well, if you're going to be insulting about it... If you'd only stop someone and ask... Like who? We haven't seen a soul since we left Mansfield, and that was three hours ago. Now what's wrong with a fool motor? Maybe you flooded it, Dad. Pull way out on the choke. Bud, would you like to drive? Okay. No, stay right there. <laughs> but you just said... I was driving cars before you were born, and I can drive rings around you right now. Well, sure, but... Father, is the switch on? The switch is on. Contact Roger, Wilco, Wahoo, only it won't start. <laughs> Now, are you happy? Jim, you're losing your temper. I'm not losing my temper. I'm calm. I'm cool. And I'd like to take Marshall Palmer and stuff him down the nearest well. Why blame it on Marshall? He was only trying to help. The two of you fussed around with this car for two hours and you've wrecked it. Does it take two hours to put gas in a car? Gas? You didn't say to put gas in the car. What? Well, we just checked the tires and polished the chrome, and you didn't say to put gas in it. Oh, Margaret, no. Betty, how could you have done a thing like that? Well, I didn't know he wanted us to get gas. (laughs) Margaret, I've been a good husband and a good father, but so help me... Ah! Daddy! Daddy, I saw it! There's a ghost! Oh, Daddy, I saw it! stop it! Margaret Kathleen, stop choking your father, please Oh, but I saw it, Mommy It was big and white And it had big, long wings Mother Are you all right, Jim? I don't know I, uh I think she's been taking lessons from Strangler Lewis I don't see any ghosts It was over there, bud It had three heads And a long white beard And I saw it out the window Hey, there is something. It's the ghost. Oh, Daddy. Now, now, just a minute. Bud? I don't think it's a ghost, but I saw something. I don't see any... Oh, yes. Father. 
Jim? Now, there's nothing to get upset about, Margaret. It's probably just a billboard or a sign or something. It's a house. What? Sure, now I can see it. It's a two-story house, and it's got pigeons on the roof. Ghosts with three heads. <laughs> oh. All that excitement about a farmhouse and a few fluttering pigeons. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves, all of you. Jim, where are you going? I'm going to see if I can't wake somebody up. I've got to borrow some gas. Uh, Jim, don't stay away too long, please. I'll be right back. Uh, Bud, maybe you ought to go with your father. What for? Well, it's very dark out there, and he might not be able to find the way. I don't know the way any better than he does. <laughs> Bud, why don't you stop arguing? I'm not arguing, and I don't see you jumping out in the rain. Of course not. Girls don't do things like that. Why not? They just don't. That's why not. Boy, is that a racket. <laughs> Bud. I go first. I'm a girl. I get this. I'm a girl. Who takes care of the men? Girls! <laughs> but this is hardly the time for a battle of the sexes. I wasn't fighting, but good gravy. Margaret! Is everything all right, dear? Honey, it's a house all right, but it isn't exactly what we figured. It's, well, it's a, a sort of an empty caretaker's cottage. What's an empty caretaker? <laughs> It's a cottage, Dopey, and it's empty. Oh. Jim, why would a farm have a caretaker's cottage? Well, that's what I was saying. It, uh, it isn't exactly a farm. It's a... Well, just figure it's like anything else, that's all. Jim, what is it? Well, it's a... Uh, the Pleasant View Cemetery. Oh, no. <laughs> And that's the first half of A Spooky Cemetery, episode of Father Knows Best from 1950. We'll be back after this. So, Roger, yes. uh, we're playing all Halloween stories yeah. here because mm -hmm. we're almost, we're building up to Halloween. What that's is right. going on here? It's pretty feeling like Halloween around well, the Well, I studio. brought my spooky candy. I, I noticed that. The other room. And that's out right. of that candy, what's your favorite one? Ooh, I like um, Kit Kats. You I like, like punchy stuff like Twix, Kit Kats, that kind right. of stuff. I yeah. like that. It's but good. But i got to cut back on my chocolate. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> yeah, and I like the dark chocolate. I don't know why we. Yeah, you don't have any there. dark chocolate. Oh, we're gonna have I to work on that. Roger's gonna bring in some dark chocolate, yeah. and uh, we're gonna go to news, and then after that, we're gonna play the second half of Father Knows Best. We'll be right back. All right. Well, we are gonna get right back into part two of Father Knows Best, a spooky cemetery with Robert Young. Are you enjoying this, Roger? Uh, very much so. Good. And they're keeping up the comedy, but it gets spooky. Did you used to watch the TV show? With yeah, the all the time. I watched it too. I'm envious of him. I'm like. Perfect. You know, pipe, slippers, jacket. Yeah, but he really wasn't perfect. Well, but we won't get into that now. <laughs> Anyhow, part two of A Spooky Cemetery, will we'll Father Knows Best. A few chill moments have come and gone, and we find the Andersons, brave little band, huddled on the porch of the caretaker's cottage. The rain keeps pouring down on the battered roof, and in the eaves, pigeons flap their restive wings. Or is it a belfry? Or are they bats? Well, anyway, the Andersons aren't worried. Not in the least. Chins up, shoulders back. They march fearlessly into whatever awaits them. Like this. I don't want to go in. Kathy, there's nothing to be afraid of. I don't care. I don't want to go in. Well, would you rather stay out here on the porch all night and freeze to death? Oh, I'm scared. Kathy, I don't know what's gotten into you. 
This isn't just a cemetery. It's a, a monument of which we should all be proud. Those are the graves of Civil War heroes, men who died for their country. Father! <laughs> what were you saying, dear? Uh, let's see if we can get inside. Dad. Any luck, bud? Nope. I tried the windows on the ground floor, and they're all locked. Oh, fine. I found a shovel out in back, though. That's nice. <laughs> if we can't dig our way in, at least it'll make a pleasant souvenir of the evening, won't it? Well, I just thought if there's a shovel around, maybe that means somebody lives here. Thank you, Sam Spade. <laughs> <laughs> Say, that's a good one. Sam Spade, because I found his shovel. <laughs> Get it, Betty? I got it, and you can have it. <laughs> What's the matter with her? I want to go home. We can't go home, Kathy. There isn't any gas in the car. And I'm not walking 12 miles in the rain to get any, either. Jim, we can't just stand here all night. I have no intention of standing here all night. First, let's see if we can... Jim! It's, it's just the door opening, honey. That's all. Who opened it? I want to go home. I hear one more peep out of you, so help me. Jim, what happened to Bud? I don't know. He was right. Bud! Mother! You want me, Dad? <laughs> How'd you get down there? I don't know. I guess I fell off the porch. <laughs> Who opened the door, Dad? How do I know? But it's open, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> It used to be open. Oh, that's funny. It's locked, huh? No, I just like to rattle doorknobs. How could it be open one minute and locked the next minute? The, the wind, that's all it is. The wind blew it shut. Who blew it open? Betty, stop asking silly questions. What's silly about that? Bud, let's see if... <laughs> Jim... Father. Never mind, bud. It's open again. Holy cow. <laughs> All right, everybody. Let's get inside before the darn thing changes its mind again. Jim, this is a haunted house. Margaret. I don't want to go into the haunted house. Kathy, stop being ridiculous. There's no such thing as a haunted house. Jim. I know you don't believe in ghosts and haunted houses. Margaret, you don't either. No sensible person does. Of course, dear. But why did the bridge table float in the air at the Palmers? It was a trick, Margaret, just like all the other stupid things Will Palmer did. Tapping on the floor and weird voices. You saw how he did those. But he didn't explain about the table. He forgot, that's all. And if you don't mind, I'd just as soon forget, too. Let's go inside. All right, Kathy. I'm only a little girl. I'm only nine years old. Angel, nothing's going to hurt you. Uh, turn on the lights, bud. Mother, is it all right if I just wait in the car? You're staying right here with us. How about it, bud? Nothing happens. Well, we'll get a light somehow. <gasps> Now, what's the matter? I just walked in with spiderweb. Ew. Will you please stop complaining and close the door? Jumping creepers. All 
all I wanted to do was get into the sixth grade. <laughs> Kathy. Dad, there's hmm? an oil lamp over here. Fine, now we're getting somewhere. But there isn't any oil in it. <laughs> but. Yes, Dad? See what else you can find that isn't any good. Isn't any good for what? Just... <laughs> Never mind. Oh, gosh, I was only trying to... Mother, now I'll settle for this fifth grade. What's wrong with that stupid door? But Don't look at me, Dad. I wasn't any place near it. I know you weren't. I was merely... Oh, here's what it is. It's just a loose screw. I knew there was a screw loose someplace. <laughs> See this, Margaret? The latch is unfastened. When the wind blows, the latch slides over and the door opens. Why couldn't you open it before? Because the latch gets hung up when the door bangs shut. And stop bothering me. There's nothing mysterious about it. I'll be happy to finish the fourth grade. <laughs> Jim, it's very cold in here. Yeah, kind of clammy. Wouldn't it be warmer if we all just... Sat in the car. We'll get a fire started in here, and that'll take care of everything. Jim. Honey, there's nothing in here that can hurt anybody. A nice, friendly fire in the fireplace, it'll make all the difference in the world. Now, how about getting some wood, bud? Here's a whole pile of newspapers. Good. Hey, you know who's going to run for president? Coolidge. <laughs> bud, let's uh, get the fire started and stop with the jokes. What jokes? Just... Oh, get some wood Jim, I know it isn't anything to be worried about But that door gives me the creeps Well, I'll fix that Get this chair wedged under the doorknob And there we are Now I'd like to see it open Come on, bud, let's get going with the wood Where do I get wood? I don't care where you get it, just get it Good grief well, that's a novelty. Daddy! Kathy, you know I can't stand that. What? Stop whining. I wasn't whining, Daddy. Hand me some of that newspaper, Betty, will you please? What a time to read. <laughs> Betty, help your father build the fire. Okay. Kathy! Yes, Daddy? You're whining again. I didn't even make a sound. Here's the paper, Father. Thank you. We'll have some light in here in just about two seconds. How's this for wood, Dad? Fine, bud. There we are. Ah, that's a little better, isn't it? Let's have the wood, bud. Father. Jim. It's an owl, Margaret. <coughs> that's all it is, just an owl. I don't like owls. You don't like anything. <coughs> Jim, what is it? Smoke. It doesn't seem to be going up the chimney. <coughs> oh. <laughs> must, be, uh, must have their nest up there. <coughs> Want me to open a window, Dad? Yeah, I guess I better. Father! Jim! The chair! It's gone! I want to go home! Now, just a minute. There, there must be a little logical explanation. Chairs don't just walk off by themselves. Do they, bud? This one didn't. You just put it in the fireplace. <laughs> what? 
Well, you said you didn't care where I got the wood. <laughs> Jim, the smoke is getting awful. Bud, open the window at the top of the stairs. <laughs> See if we can't get a little cross ventilation in here. Bud, do this. Bud, do that. Sounds like the only name you ever heard of was Bud. <laughs> what was that? I said I, I have to open the window. <laughs> hey. Bobby, I want to go home. Bud, what is it? It was a cat. I guess I stepped on its tail. Well, stop fooling around and open the window. Oh, father. Daddy, I have a wonderful idea. Let's go home. Jim. It's a dog, Margaret, that's all. Just a dog howling at the moon. Dogs howl when somebody dies. Now, there's a pleasant bit of information. <laughs> a little girl. Kathy, please. I'm not having a bad enough time. People jumping every time a dog howls or an owl hoots or a door squeaks. Dad. Why do you have to sneak up and back of people like that? I didn't sneak up and back of you. You certainly did. Jim. What's that? A cow. Just a plain, ordinary cow. What's a cow doing up this time of night? Looking for another cow. It's lonesome. Jim, all those Peculiar noises. They aren't peculiar noises. We're out in the country, and they're just plain, ordinary noises. But they sound so weird. Father! What's the matter? We, we heard something. You're imagining things, all of you. You heard the wind whistling through the trees. It didn't sound like the wind. All right, what did it sound like? Like that. <laughs> well, that's nothing. It's just a... a Board creaking, that's all. Jim, we've got to get out of here. Well, how? Where are we going to go? I don't care where. Let's just go. I'm only nine years old. All right, Kathy, we'll leave. We'll leave right now. Not that there's anything to be afraid of. Father, it's coming closer. It's a ghost. It's a big white ghost. Oh, boy. Jim. All right. We've got you covered. Uh, stay where you are. Are you folks... folks? Oh. oh. Uh, yes, we're uh, folks. Uh, who are you? Oh, I'm the new caretaker. Just moved in tonight. And I'm not sure I like this job. Jim. Uh, you see... There wasn't anything to be afraid of. Well, maybe there ain't now, but I was sure scared before. You see, for a while, I figured maybe you was ghosts. The horrible night is over at last. The Andersons are home, safe and happy, and as they dig into their breakfast cereal, Jim tells them exactly how foolish they've been, like this. 
I've never been so ashamed of anyone in my entire life. Why, you acted as though we were living in the Middle Ages. I wasn't scared, Dad. Mm. You certainly were. I certainly wasn't. You were just as scared as anybody, wasn't he, Kathy? He wasn't as scared as I was. I was real scared. Of what? Everything had a logical explanation, didn't it? Jim. Hello, Margaret. You finally decided to come to the party, huh? You haven't said a word since we sat down at the table. Jim, there was a phone call before you got up. Oh, who was it? Will Palmer. He said he hadn't been able to sleep a wink all night. Good. Serves him right. What do you want? He wants you to call him. What for? We just saw him yesterday. He wants you to tell him how you did that trick where the bridge table floats in the air. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargy and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. So until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee, always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Dragnet, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Was That was Father Knows Best from 1950, Spooky Cemetery, Robert Young uh, starring in that, and it was good to the last drop. It was. It Did, was were a you a fan of Maxwell House Coffee? I was. Yeah? Uh, it was one of the few major brands back in the day. Right. Uh, they still sell Maxwell House. Oh, of course they do. I'm, I'm just saying now you've got everyone's <laughs> It's still special. good to the last Everybody's drop. Everybody's got a specialty coffee out. And, right. And, There's a lot know, more options. A lot more options out there, but it's still good to last drop. You know, we're going to be right back uh, to preview the next show and the next hour, and uh, Lisa and I will explain things to you right after this. Hi, Roger. Hi, Lisa. I have shared something with you. Uh-oh. No. It's... An, an amusing tidbit uh, that you might have? Yes. Excellent. I don't know if it's amusing, but it's a tidbit <laughs> I might have. So after Halloween, I would say the next holiday would be Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And um, just um, coincidentally, tonight, I celebrated Thanksgiving with my family before I came here. That's a really? true story. Yes, really. Oh, don't you guys like travel the world? Well, the I don't. <laughs> I stay right here. Oh, so okay. I have to be around on the weekends. That's true. I shouldn't That's say true. I have to. I like to be around here on the weekends. But tonight was our Thanksgiving dinner with our family. Wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. My parents go off, you know, to Florida for the winter, and tonight was Thanksgiving. Oh, nice. So I had my uh, garden holiday roast, my vegetarian Lovely. turkey roast, and uh, we had all the trimmings. So. Thanksgiving so is around the corner. All day, oh though. no, not me. It's oh. <laughs> my mom. <laughs> no, that's my mom's that job. Was, you just enjoyed the fruits of her labor. Yeah, we yeah. had the whole family together, so it was a nice <laughs> night. So to me, it's Thanksgiving. What do you yeah. got on tap for Halloween? Um, well, I'll be here next week, even though Halloween is like a Thursday night. 
the end, the last day of the month is Thursday night. So I don't know what we're going to do. Again, it depends on the the strike if it keeps going that right. long, which I don't think it's going to. I really it's hope moving it a lot faster. It moved real fast over the weekend. Mm. Uh, so they had, uh, as Vic is uh, uh, announcing in the newscast, they had um, two really big gains from the bargaining table. So they're hoping to get this done quickly. Uh, but we will have the girls over Monday, tomorrow. Well, I'm hearing day. about everything firsthand. My son is a Chicago public school teacher oh, in high school. Nice. Um, so he is uh, along with everybody, and I'm watching him on the news and, mm-hmm. you know, following the mayor's car and caravan right. and yeah. hearing about all the inside tracks. Yeah. So I, too, hope that they get it resolved uh, quickly. Yes, and I know the kids want to get back to school. Well, I don't know about that. but the well, t- our girls want to get back to school. They're friends and everything. Yeah. And, cause, and plus, uh, our daughter now has to find resources exactly. for the girls. I know the, the schools day. are open and they're still serving lunches, but the yeah. teachers don't get paid while right. they're out, and that's no, a hardship don't. as well. So mm-hmm. I hope it all gets worked out quickly. Exactly, and and they're not going to make up the days this year. I know Usually that. they would extend the school year. I know that. This year they're not. So. Right. Uh, so speaking we'll of uh, looking ahead to things, what do yes. we got next hour? We have Escape from September 12, 1948, Evening Primrose. So Ooh. this should be exciting. Escape had a seven-year run, so it yeah. was a pretty successful mm-hmm. show. Hey, Roger. And this one? Are you tired of the everyday grind? Then. Come on. Just. No, what's the next, what's the next sentence? I, Are you tired the, of, the of the everyday, everyday grind? grind? Come on. I, Come on, ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Ahead. Come on. You've got it written down. You do this when no, I, we I have to this. record the show. Are you kidding? I Want to get away from it all? Now, we offer you, you what? Escape. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> William Conrad's going to be on there, too, and the, uh, the voice of Gunsmoke. That's right. Uh, and... Uh, Canon on TV. That's and a right. Bunch of Did other you used stuff. to watch Canon? I loved Canon. Did you? Yeah. See, I watched it. I didn't love really? it. Really? Yeah, I, I wanted to like it. I liked the way he played the character. It was maybe it, I was too young I was to appreciate. <laughs> I was too young to appreciate him. <laughs> Probably. Um, this is a, a real fascinating adventure. It's uh, with a strange assortment of characters, and mm-hmm. they all live inside New York's department stores. I know this kinda is like kind of creepy. You know you the know, story of Corduroy. You know, no. the little bear quarter, oh, he yeah, lived inside yeah, yeah. a department store. Yeah. And then thing. there was the movie, and I forgot what it was called, where the the models, the dummies, yep, they come came to alive life. at I've night. Seen that and there movie. was like a princess was one I of them know. or something. Well, we're going to have to find All out. All right. Well, we're going to be right back yeah. with Escape after the news. And welcome to Hour 2 of the WGN Radio Theater. This is Lisa Wolf, and that is Roger Baddish. It Thank is. you so much for sure. co-hosting the show with me tonight and this morning. It's a pleasure, as always. I love hanging around with you guys, usually on a Sunday night. And, and what would I do without you? I'd be talking to nobody. You'd Except talking, I have Dan Long here. Yeah, so. <laughs> Dan, you'd be talking to Dan and Shantae. And I know. High in the booth through the window and, and everything. I love but I'm glad to have you with me, and I know our and listeners. it's a pleasure being here and playing are, these great old-time radio I know. shows that you know I love. I know. Well, yeah. I picked them just for you. Thank you so yep, much. I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> I know. So I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to have Shantae. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that Dan's here uh, helping us out as well. So and thank you to the whole team. And for might want to know, uh, Carl is out of state. Out of mind, <laughs> out of a whole bunch of things. Uh, he is taking some time off this weekend, take right. care of some business. Well, as Dave Player said, he's having the other side of his face done because he's a little bit lopsided. <laughs> yes, yeah. Hopefully when he comes back, he'll be whole. And you know, after plastic surgery, you're not supposed to sit out in the sun. 
All right. Well, I'm going to let him know. uh, Please let him know that so it doesn't like start drooping. Terrific. We're going to go right into Guess That Song. We're going to be giving away a desktop indoor weather station, which is the item that Carl will never have, but our caller will have it. Love it. Uh, We are still in 1975. And uh, Roger, hopefully you'll be helpful. I'm hoping um, to be helpful. We're going to go for caller number three. You can call in right now, 312-981-7200, and we'll be right back. Guess that song. <laughs> Let's guess that song. It's so funny to hear Roger announcing it while he's sitting here. We've got Mark on the phone to play the game with us. Hey, Mark. Oh, good morning, Lisa and Carl. I'm the big fan of the show. Well, Carl's, Carl's not here, but you're welcome to say oh, good morning yeah. to him anyways. We've got Roger filling in. so I sometimes oh, okay. I sign, sound like you Carl. basket of knowledge. Yeah, yeah well, right. Carl and Roger, you know, they look alike. So people <laughs> often confuse them. We're going to spotlight 1975 songs, and we're going to play the first one right now. Do you know that one? Uh, Sounds familiar, that's right? That's the way you like it. That's right. Uh, that's the way I like yeah. it. That's Casey and the Sunshine Band. Let's hear it. Good job. That's a good song, right? So, a 1975 Time Magazine article cited this song as an example of sex rock. <gasps> yep, naming it as part of a new wave of sexually suggestive songs. So, I think we've kind of moved on from them, right? That doesn't sound that subject, su- suggestive Sug- compared to, to what say. we have yeah, right, right. now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, let's move on to song number two, see what we can do. What do you think? See, uh, that one, uh, do, do, I don't do, know. It's like a disco song. 75 disco was big. Uh, Roger's dancing, just yeah. so we're clear. Roger, help us out. Um, that is Do the Hustle. That, do the Hustle. That's Van McCoy, the, the hustle. hustle. Let's hear it. You have to dance, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a and camera only, on Roger right yeah, now. Let's not say we did. Uh, <laughs> the only video online is it hit, not him performing this. You'll never see a video of him performing. It's, it's like the, the, the uh, Golden the hustle, Girls right? or dance, not oh. the Golden Girls, oh. but uh, <laughs> but a bunch of dancers just dancing, dancing on stage hustle. to the hustle. Yeah. So this song won the Grammy Award for Best Pop Instrumental Performance early for songs recorded in 1975. You are the winner, Mark, and you have won the desktop indoor weather station. It is brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 16-minute Men. You can visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. Thank you so much. You're going to love your weather, your weather station. Thank you, Lisa. It's been uh, real fun. I had a lot of fun. Thank this you. Is, thank you. Big fan of the show. I, uh, I never miss it. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you for listening, and I'm so glad you were calling number three. It was great to talk to you. Thank you, Lisa. Terrific. Cool. Excellent. He, he had him. Yeah, All right, he had 50%. Job. All right, so what are we playing now? We are going to play the September 12th, 1948 uh, edition of Evening Primrose from Escape. A fascinating adventure, strange assortment of characters who live inside a New York department store. All right, let's hear it right now. Fed up with the everyday grind. Tired out from the summer heat. Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. 
designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are groping through the midnight dimness of a gigantic department store, and suddenly you realize that a hundred eyes are staring at you from the shadows, and a hundred hands are reaching for your throat, and your most urgent desire is to escape. Tonight, we escape to a fantastic world of night dwellers, as John Collier imagines it in his eerie story, Evening Primrose. scared me to death. What do you mean come in so quiet? Oh, I didn't mean to scare you. I thought you'd be asleep. I didn't want to wake you. Oh, Sam, I'm so glad you're home. Hey, what's the matter? Oh, it's terrible. You got to do something, Sam. What's terrible? It's this. Just look at this. What's terrible about that? Looks like an ordinary pad of paper to me. Yeah, that's just it. That's just what I thought. But it's got writing in it. Oh, it's awful. And now, wait a minute. Maybe you better tell me what this is all about. Well, today I went shopping at Brace's department store. Yeah? I needed some writing paper, so I picked this up. It was on top of the pile. So I bought it and I brought it home. But tonight when I opened it, I, I found it's got writing in it. Well, that's nothing so terrible. Just take it back tomorrow and make him give you a new one. Uh, you don't understand. It's what's written in it that's so terrible. What do you mean, what's written in it? Hey, you got to read it. Ah, oh, Sadie, Now, right I... now, now read it. Look, Sadie, I'm tired. I've been bawling all please, evening. Please, I... Sam, please, just read it. But for Pete's sake... Sam! Oh, all right. October 13th. Today, I made my decision. I decided to say goodbye to the world. To get out, leave, break away. And I have done it. Ah, Sadie, Go this... on, read. And now I am free. Really free. Yes, I am free at last. Yes, I am free at last. The world is an intolerable place for a poet. I was broke, starving at my wit's end. And then I had the brilliant idea. I'd escape to a place where I'd had no need to earn a living, where I could write to my heart's content in peace and security. And where is this place? Right under your nose, so close you'd never think of it. I am now living in Bracey's department store. I have everything within arm's reach that anyone would need or desire. And it's all free. Absolutely free. I arrived this afternoon. I'd spent three days looking over all the department stores in town. I decided on Bracey's because of the completeness of their food department. Therefore... This afternoon, I entered the store and went immediately to the fourth floor, to the rug department, and hid myself in this dusty, out-of-the-way corner behind a pile of carpets. Once I'm settled, I'll furnish it with the best of modern pieces from the furniture department. It's small, but it'll be cozy enough and safe. After the store closed, I made my first venture out. I tiptoed as far as the stationery counter and got this paper... The writer's primary need. Now, after making my first entry, I'll go out and get food and wine and the pillows for my bed. 
and perhaps even a fancy dressing gown. <laughs> this is perfect. Here I'll be able to write. Dawn, October 14th. I am almost too unnerved to write this. The whole thing is unbelievable. After the store was dark and completely quiet, I crept out and started for the food department. One steps echo hollowly in an empty department store at night, and I found myself gliding along the floor on tiptoe, moving as silently as possible. But the sound of footsteps persisted, and suddenly I realized that they were not my own. The night watchman. I, I was in the Salon Moderne, so quickly I seized a mink coat from a hanger and draped it about my shoulders and stood stock still. I could have reached out and touched him, but he passed without so much as a glance. I started to smile, but the smile froze on my lips. There was someone else here. I was looking straight into a pair of eyes. Large, flat, luminous, inhuman eyes a dozen feet away. They belonged to a creature dressed as a man, but he was as pale as something found under a stone. His hands hanging motionless at his sides looked more like the fins on a fish than human hands. And then he spoke. Not bad for a beginner. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know anybody else uh, lived here. Oh, yes, we live here. It's delightful. Uh, we? Yes, all of us. Don't you see? Look around you. I looked around and saw nothing. I looked again and saw an old one come clamoring out from behind a clock... And there were three elderly ingenues, incredibly emaciated, pale as lace, almost transparent, simmering before a perfume counter. And a chintzy lady swam out from the curtains and the drapes. Then they came swarming thick around me, pale, thin, wispy, moving silently, fluttering like gauze in the wind, whispering. They were pressing around me, clawing, holding me, their pale faces contorted with venomous and human hatred. I was paralyzed. All I could do was repeat over and over again, I am not a detective. I, I, I'm not a detective. I, I'm not. A burglar, then. Who did carry him to the plane? Oh, the darkness. Stop. Let him speak. I, I, I am not a detective or a burglar. I'm a poet. But what are you doing here? Uh, I've renounced the world. I, I came here to live where I could be alone, away from the world. Why, then he's come over to us. Oh, he's come he's over just to like us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he must meet Mrs. Vanderpant. Mrs. Vanderpant, she's coming now. I followed their eyes toward the balcony and the hair on my neck rose again. There, coming down the wall, like an ancient spider, clamored an old lady, wrinkled and crackled and emaciated. She must have been at least 80, a shadowy matriarch. And the things around me bowed and scraped as she reached the floor and floated toward us. What's going on here? Where is that stupid girl? What's keeping her? Oh, Mrs. Vanderpan. Well, what is it? Who's this, Mr. Roscoe? Mrs. Vanderpan, may I present Mr... Uh, Mr... Huh? Oh, oh, Snell. Charles Snell. Yes, Mr. Snell. He's a poet. He has come here to live. Oh, he has, has he? That's what he says. And I believe him. Well... He avoided the night watchman quite neatly. 
for a beginner. Thank you. Very well. We shall see. <laughs> a poet should find inspiration here. Mr. Snell, Mrs. Vanderpant is our grand old lady. Oh? I am quite the oldest inhabitant here, Mr. Snell. Three mergers and a complete rebuilding. But they didn't get rid of me. Oh, where is Ella? Where is my broth? She's bringing it, Mrs. Vanderpant. It will come. Terrible little creature. Uh, she's our foundling, Mr. Snell. Uh, she's not quite our sort. Oh, is that so? I have been here, Mr. Snell, ever since the terrible times of the 80s. I was a young girl then, a beauty, they said. I'm sure. And poor Papa lost his money. Braces meant a lot to a young girl in those days. So when I wasn't able to have a charge account, I came here to live. That's better than a charge account. I was quite alarmed when others began to come after the crash of 1907. Oh, but it was the dear judge, the uh, hello. colonel, Mrs. How do you Bilby. Do? How are you? Uh, Mrs. Bilby writes plays. Oh? And uh, comes of an old Philadelphia family. You'll find us quite nice here, Mr. Snell. I, I, I'm sure I will. And, uh, of course, our dear young people came in 1929. Their poor papas jumped from skyscrapers. They couldn't bear to be without charge accounts either. But uh, you mean all these... Nice people live here? Oh, and many more. You shall meet them all later. Oh, here comes Ella with my broth. Uh, come here, you stupid thing. Mrs. Vanderpant is waiting, Ella. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'm coming as fast as I can. Oh, here. On the table over there, Ella. Now, be careful. Don't spill it. Oh, but she's young. Well, of course, she is a little younger than most of us. She, She's different. She's... Beautiful. That's right, old fellow. She's really not our sort. Oh, you, you shouldn't say such things. She can hear you. Oh, that doesn't matter. Mrs. Bilby, please. Uh, Mr. Snell, you will understand these things better after you've been here for a while. But uh, it seems to me Mr. That... Snell, we have certain rules here. They are necessary for our survival. I'm sure you won't find it hard to observe them. Well, yes, but I... I... should advise you that you try. If you do not, would be most unfortunate, Mr. Snell. Most unfortunate for you. October 15th. You can imagine my feelings last night. My first thought was to escape as quickly as possible. In fact, I planned to quit my hiding place and mingle with the crowds and leave Bracey's forever. But... Just at dawn, Mr. Roscoe brought me a cup of coffee, which must have been drugged, for I fell asleep. And when I awoke, I found that I'd slept all day, and night was closing over the store once more. Later. I have spent my second night here. I saw Ella again. Ella, the pearl of this remote, fantastic cave... She's not like the others. A, a trifle pale, but otherwise normal and human and... and beautiful. A child of perhaps 18. She 
is the only thing that makes this nightmare bearable. And that was the first portion of Escape from September 12, 1948. We've got a commercial break, and we'll be right back. And I want to tell you a little tidbit, Lisa Wolf, okay. about this great show. Roger, uh, I almost called you as, Carl. Why would you? You're looking right I'm, at me. I know. I'm so used to saying, yes, Carl. Well, yes, you don't have Carl. to say yes, Carl, like, yes, dear. Well, I yes, don't do dear. that. I know. Well. <laughs> I do not do that. <laughs> and he's not dear to me. <laughs> I, he's a dear friend. He's a friend. Okay. Let's just not. Let's just keep it right there. <laughs> You're pushing things a little bit. All right, I'm not going there. That's all right, not a problem. So this, uh, you know, seven years the show Escape here um, aired on radio. Yes. And over the seven years, this story aired three different times with different actors. With different actors in it, and several years apart on each one. And it's a, it just shows you how good this story is. It actually came from a short story. An original short short story that was made into this radio play. So uh, we're listening to some good stuff right now. Well, of course, I only choose the best. I know for our you listeners. do. We've already established that. I fact. know, <laughs> and you know what? Um, even Father Knows Best. Yeah. It, it's a comedy, and it's a little bit dated, yet it still has a lot to say, and it still gives us, a, you know, it's a piece. It's a moment in history, right? And, and what I family hasn't gone through some of the stuff they went through? Oh, mine hasn't. Really? Really. You don't get out much, do you? I know. No, I basically <laughs> just come to the radio station and I just kind of sit around yeah, the rest of the right. week. I've well, got nothing know, else to do. Scrooge McDuck over there with your money. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I've got nothing. I just, you know, Carl teases me. I just like yeah, I go know. get my nails done exactly. and get a massage. Right. And, yeah. and then I just get, you know, go out for well, dinner. Well, we already established you don't cook dinner. So, um, well, not tonight. I didn't. <laughs> not tonight. So what do we got coming up here? We have the second half of Escape, so we don't want to leave you hanging and dangling. Oh, so we're yeah. going to finish that up, and uh, we're going to do a little crosstalk with Nick DeGilio and find out That'd what cool. is on his show. Um, but we will be right back after the news. And Roger Battish, along with Lisa Wolf on WGN Radio Theater, we want to get right into part two of Evening Primrose from the show Escape. October 20th. Escape seems almost impossible. There is a very effective burglar alarm system, and the doors are all carefully guarded. But that is nothing compared to the Dark Men. Who are the Dark Men? I don't know, but the inhabitants here threaten any transgressor with these Dark Men. I shall try to discover who they are. I am sure I'm watched, though they've begun to trust me now. Speaking to the Night Watchman would be suicide. Even if he believed my fantastic story or didn't shoot me as a burglar, I'm convinced that neither Ellen nor I could get out of here alive. She and the Night Watchman are the only real people here. And how the others hate the Night Watchman. Odious, vulgar creature. He reeks of the coarse sun. Oh, come now, Mrs. Bilby. He's really a very personable young man. Very young for a night watchman. Mr. Snell, sometimes I wonder about your taste. Oh, you must not stay so much to yourself. You must become better acquainted with our ways. That's quite true, old man. Oh, you must come to the play tonight. We're going to be entertained with one of Mrs. Bilby's tragic comedies, Love in Shadowland. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I'm sure I will. Oh, it's really a festive occasion, you know. Wanamaker's is coming over. Wanamakers? Yes, the entire colony over at Wanamakers is coming here en masse to attend the play. You mean there are people living in other stores? Oh, dear, yes, didn't you know? Of 
course, the best people live in braces and Wanamakers. Oh, come now, Mrs. Bilby. There are some very nice people at Altman's. I beg your pardon, Mrs. Bilby. Uh, hello, Ella. Oh, good evening, Mr. Snell. Well, what is it, Ella? Oh, please, ma'am, I'd so love to see your play tonight. May I have your permission? Certainly not. You know better than that, you stupid creature. You know where you belong. In the basement, by the garbage cans. But Mrs. Bilby... Hush, Mr. Snell. Ella, you're becoming entirely too forward of late. I advise you to watch your step. Remember the dark men. Oh, no. Please, Mr. Roscoe. I'll be good. I promise I will. Oh, no, please don't send for the dark man. I'm sorry, Mrs. Bilby. Excuse me. Ella. Ella, come back. Charles, you forget yourself. Let her go. But how can you treat her like that? Why do you always frighten her? And what is all this about the dark men? Well, Mr. Snell, oh, I... Oh, I... please, Mr. Roscoe, not now. You'll spoil our whole evening, and I do so want Mr. Snell to enjoy my play. Very well, Mrs. Bilby. Later, Charles. But I want to know about the dark men. Later, later. October 21st. I found an opportunity to speak to Ella alone. I had not dared to speak to her before. Here one has the sense always of pale eyes secretly watching. But last night at the play, I induced a fit of hiccups. As I anticipated, I was sternly reprimanded and told to go and secret myself in the basement where the night watchman wouldn't hear me. This was exactly what I'd planned. I went to the basement. And there, in the darkness, among the garbage cans and the rats, I heard sobbing. Ella... Ella? Oh. Ella, is that you? Yes. Why are you crying? What is it, Ella? They... They wouldn't even let me see the play. Oh, is that all? Oh, Mr. Snell, I, I'm so unhappy. Oh, there, there. You, you mustn't cry. You're the only one. The only one who is kind. Ella, why are you here? Why do they treat you so differently? Because I'm not like them. I didn't choose to come here. You mean you were held prisoner? Yes. You see, I was only six. I came here on a shopping tour with my mother. I, I got lost and fell asleep behind a counter. It was dark when I awoke, and they found me. Some of them wanted to send for the dark men because they were afraid I would tell on them. But Mrs. Vanderpant said no. I could stay and be her maid. I've been here ever since. Since you were six? But haven't you ever tried to get away? Oh, no. I don't know anything about out there. I wouldn't know what to do. Besides, I, I'm afraid to take the chance. If anyone tries to get out, they send for the dark men. Ella, who are the dark men? Don't you know? Oh, it's horrible. Tell me. You know how people live in all the stores, at Gimbel's and Bloomingdale's? And... Yes, yes, I know. Well, the dark men live at the Undertaker's. Good heavens. And whenever someone dies or breaks the rules, or when a burglar gets in and sees these people and might tell, they send for the dark men. Well, that's horrible. They put the body in the butcher shop and the food department, and then the dark men come. I saw them once... It was terrible. What do they do? They go in where the dead person is. They have wax with them and all sorts of things. And when they're gone, 
There's just a wax model left on the counter. Then our people put a frock on it or a bathing suit and mix it up with all the other wax models in the windows. And nobody ever knows. Ellie, you mean all these dummies are... Oh, no. At least, not all of them. But if you displease these people, the same thing might happen to you. October 30th. I've not kept up my journal. Writing has been out of the question. Once more, I'm frozen with terror. Not for myself now, but for Ella. They hate her. Any time they might turn against her and send her to the dark men. My mind is filled with her. I dream of her every day. I live to see her at night. We've managed it several times. They, they trust me now and let me roam about without interference. And finally tonight, I met her again and said it. Ella, I love you. Charles. I, I love you, Ella. Let, let's get married or, or whatever they do here, and then we can live together in my home in the carpet department. They, they wouldn't dare hurt you then. Charles. Oh, don't look so dismayed. If you like, we'll go away from here. Maybe we can get transferred to Bergdorf Goodman, overlooking Central Park. Don't, Charles, don't. You must. But I love you. Ella, you're not in love with someone else. Oh, Charles. Yes, I am. But who? I, I thought you hated them all. Oh, it must be Roscoe. He's the only one that's young enough. Oh, no, Charles, not Roscoe, especially not him. Oh, I do hate them all. They make me shudder. Well, who is it, then? It's he. Who? The night watchman. No, it's impossible. Oh, I love him. He smells of the sun. Ella. Oh, it was wonderful, the way it happened. Don't tell on me, Charles, or they'll punish me. Oh, no, no. I was careless. And there he was, coming around the corner in the ladies' lingerie department. I was caught. There were only some wax models in there under things. There was nothing else to do. I slipped off my dress and stood still. <clears throat> I see. He stopped near me. He looked at me. Oh, Charles, he spoke to me. He said, say, honey, I wish they made them like you on 8th Avenue. Oh, Charles, wasn't that a lovely thing to say? Personally, I should have said Park Avenue. Oh, Charles, don't get like these people here. It doesn't matter what avenue, Charles. It was just a lovely thing to say. But what can you do about him, Ella? He belongs to another world. Yes, to 8th Avenue. And I want to go there. Charles, are you really my friend? Oh, yes, yes, of course I am. Then I'll tell you. I'm going to stand there again in the laundry department so he'll see me. And then? Perhaps he'll speak to me again. Oh, Ella, you're only torturing yourself. Oh, no, because this time I shall answer him. And he'll take me away. Take you away? Oh, oh no, 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 Ella. I, I, I couldn't bear that. You, you don't love him. You, you only think you do because you think he'll take you out of here. But, but you don't know that he will. And I will, Ella. I, I've made up my mind. No, Charles. I couldn't let you do it. Even if I loved you, you couldn't do it, Charles. Why not? Because you really belong here. You've become one of them now. Ella. 
Ella, you mustn't say that. It's true. And... Charles. What? I've got to go. There's someone watching us. I, I feel... Wait, Ella. Goodbye, Charles. No, Ella. Come back. Ella. Please, old fellow, you'll arouse the night watchman. Roscoe. Yes. Love can be very upsetting, can't it? You heard? Just the last moment or so. Very touching. I was rather surprised. And yet it's understandable I've been attracted to Ella myself. We're still young, you know. <laughs> and so she loves another. Too bad, old fellow. Who could it be? Could it be that I am the cause of your heartbreak? You flatter yourself too much, Roscoe. Then who? The old judge? Mm, certainly not. The colonel? Hardly. None of those. Not one of the customers. The staff? She loves the night watchman. Can you imagine that? She loves the night... Oh. Uh, Roscoe, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. It, it, it's not true. At least I don't think it's true. You, you wouldn't... You said you loved her, too. You, you wouldn't do anything, tell anybody. Uh, this is a secret between us, between friends, isn't it? Of course, old man. As secret as the grave. She's young. Perhaps he'll leave and she'll forget him. In time, who knows, perhaps she will learn to love you or me. Of course, in time. And we'll figure a way to keep her safe here. Absolutely safe. Now, don't you worry about it. Well, it's almost dawn. Time for bed. Good morning, Charles. Early evening, November the 4th. I was a fool. I should have known he couldn't be trusted. He must have gone straight to Mrs. Vanderpant. This evening, the atmosphere has changed. People flicker to and fro, smiling nervously, horribly with a sort of frightened, sadistic exultation. An informal dance in the record department's been called off. And I can't find Ella. I'm going out again now to look for her. Roscoe, what have you done with her? Quiet, quiet, old chap. The night watchman. I don't care. What have you done with her? Whatever I did, I did for your own good as well as the good of us all. Wait a minute. What is that? What are those people carrying? Why, it's Ella. She's tied up. They're carrying her. Ella! Ella! Stop it, Charles! Stop it! Charles! Do it! Save me! Charles! Let me go! Let me go! Stop, Charles! Stop it! Arouse the night watcher. But they're taking her into the butcher shop! Ella! 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 Yes, Charles. Those are the dark men. Midnight. I'm scribbling this last entry hurriedly. There and there in the butcher shop with Ella. The dark men. There's only one thing to do. I'm going to find the night watchman and tell him. He and I will save her if we can. And if we're overpowered, well, I will leave this pad on the stationery counter. Tomorrow, if I live, I, I will recover it. If I do not, whoever finds this and reads it, look in the windows. Look for three new wax dummies. Two men, one rather sensitive looking, and a girl. She has blonde hair and blue eyes, and her nose turns up a little. Look for us. 
And then find them, smoke them out, exterminate them, avenge us. Find them, smoke them out, exterminate them, avenge us. Isn't it horrible? We gotta do something. Tell somebody something. Oh, Sam, what'll we do? Do? Nothing. Go to bed. Oh, but Sam... Whoever wrote this has sure got a weird sense of humor, hey? Probably some clerk down at Bracey's ought to be fired. You... You mean you think it's just a story? Are you kidding? You don't believe this stuff, do you? Well, I... I don't know. I... I just thought... Oh, forget it, baby. Snap out of it. I shouldn't leave you alone. You get too many ideas when I go bowling at night. Oh, Sam. Sam, don't you think maybe we ought to just take it back and show somebody? Nuts. It's not worth the bother. They'd laugh at you, baby. Think you were crazy or something. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I was silly. Oh, forget it. Come on, let's go to bed. I'm tired. Sure, Sam. <laughs> Golly, you know, for a while I was sure scared. I even forgot what I was going to tell you. What? Sam, I found the cutest dress today, only $19.95. Yeah, baby? Yeah. It was in the window at Bracey's. It was on a beautiful little wax model with blonde hair, blue eyes, and a sort of turned-up nose, and, and there were two men standing... Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Tonight, we have brought you Evening Primrose by John Collier, adapted for radio by John Dunkel. Featured in tonight's story were Bill Conrad as Charles and Constance Cavendish as Ellen. With Harry Bartell, Lillian Bayef, Jeff Corey, Kay Miller, and Irene Tedrow. Special music by Ivan Dittmar. Roy Rowan speaking for CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Roger, I noticed the announcer said Bill Conrad, and I've never mm-hmm. heard. I we always call him William Conrad, right? Right. So right. they must be. Under, and you know, sometimes yeah, they must uh, be friendly. Early, <laughs> hey, Bill, come on. <laughs> Did you bring me coffee? Uh, but you know, sometimes early in a person's career, they have not yeah. established their name yet. Right. And, Bill. and plus, he could have been on the show for a long time and was friendly with with all these people. All right. Well, I'll call you Raj. So, Raj. Okay. All right, Lise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Escape, and uh, I love the organ. Very, Very spooky, spooky organ.